0: So the Vanguard Radio. This is DJ John Doe, and to the left of me is my man,
1: Sony Recording Artist Eddie Meeks. <laughs> Sony, yes. Hey, I hey, saw John. the, I saw the, doing?
0: I saw the magnifying glass out on the contract and yeah, everything man. this weekend. What is going on in your world?
1: I'm just, I'm just waiting on the green light <laughs> from my legal team, and um, basically my my opt out clause has been accepted. Oh, it so has. I, either way, I'm good. <laughs> Either all right way, i'm good all right yeah. all right i'm all not, I'm not fucking around with these people. all right all right all right yeah
0: so everything's everything's going okay on that front
1: i mean i i it, it could be worse it could be <laughs> okay good it could be
0: worse i'll take that <laughs> yo real quick What's up? uh p- peace to everyone for all their support over the past couple of weeks yeah man. i'm, they, I'm they still getting really calls yeah, i'm getting
1: calls and <laughs> no. all types of questions and you just got to hold tight, people. Got hold tight. Yeah, it's you know I'm, I really there's a lot of stuff I can't speak about. <laughs> so we are good, yes, sir. Though. We good.
0: What's up in uh, What's up in volleyball, Dadland? You're going to Orlando here in a few days, right? Yeah, we had uh, championships uh, tomorrow night. Shit. Is our
1: last practice before the uh, before the tournament in Orlando, and um, after the tournament, uh, we're done with volleyball until this fall. Um, oh, Okay, I might get her some private lessons here and there. Um, She's going to a new high school in the fall. So I think they're already conditioning and everything. So we might go do, uh, we actually might go do an introduction uh, Tuesday. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. So she can, you know, see what's going on. So, all right. Yeah, we just, you know, just continuing to be all in, man. You know, right. trying to make sure she get the most out of the experience, you know, I'm because at any time it could be like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore.
0: I know. It's so it it just
1: like, you know, at those, least those damn kids. I tell you. What. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't imagine that 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 that's coming. But, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. How about you, man?
0: Uh, It was good. Uh, i was in d c this week i had kind of a i, I kind of oh, had, had the ill i kind of had a hip hop moment yeah, you last had week the ill moment i did i did have an ill moment real quick we'll dig into it so uh i was up in d c for work uh as as our listeners uh know and if if you're new to the podcast you don't know i travel a good bit for work and um i was in the d c area and my homie, Coop, came over from Winchester. just Coop, to, what up? Yeah, Coop, Coop came over, uh, and, you know, we kind of hung out. Uh, Jurassic 5 was actually playing in Silver Spring. With, if, if you don't know where Silver Spring, Maryland is, it's just north of D.C. And uh, so, anyway, J5 was in town. You know, uh, th- those are the homies. So, I hollered at Cut and Newmark and Mark 7 and those guys. And, you know, we were going to go check them out and just kind of hang out. And uh, I ended up calling a good friend of Southern Vanguard Radio, Grapp Lava. Grapp, I called Grapp. him and I got him out of the house. So we went to go pick up Grap, and you know we were just—I we, was just thinking, you know, in my brain, I'm like, this is going to be cool. We'll hang, you know, what we'll get together with Coop, hang with Grap, see the show, you know, get to see Cut and all those guys, you know, whatever. We'll go home. It'll, you know, we'll have a good night. Well, Grap was fresh off of doing a thirty-five or forty-minute uh, Periscope mm. feed. Mm. where he was just going through joints on his SP-1200. <laughs> and he had he had discs of his, and he had discs of Pete's, mm. of Pete Rock's. Mm. So for about 35 minutes, he was just playing joints. So he got into the whip, and he was on fire. Mm. And this guy had at least 30 unreleased Pete Rock beats on his phone, <laughs> and he just starts going through all of those motherfuckers, man. I was, I mean... I, I had I thought I was about to die. I'm like, this is it. I'm gonna be in a car wreck, and me and Coop and Grapp Lover are gonna go
1: out listening to to, to unreleased Pete Rock beats. And th- mind you, th- these what are not to go out. these are
0: not unreleased Pete Rock beats from like the past, you know, couple of years. Nah, this these is, are SP 1200. Yeah. These joints are fucking 15, 20 years old. Yeah. Oh my god, I, if Dope. I did, if I didn't blow out the speakers oh. in that rental car last week. It's a fucking miracle, man. That's what's up. But I mean, I, I mean, so that that kicked off the night, basically. Yeah. So then we get to the J Five show. Cut hooked us up, all access backstage. Mm. So we we ended up going backstage, and the J Five guys were bugging because they got to meet Grap Lover. So yeah. it was just, dude, it was just, it was just too much, man. So, awesome, sound like an awesome yeah, night. Yeah. So man. anyway, and so then on the way back home, because we had to take Grap home. Yeah. We just went through more and more, more Pete and more Rock and more. Beach. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so jealous right now that's what i'm talking about yo it was about. so ill i can't wait for this volleyball shit to be <laughs> over with man so i can i can do some hip-hop yeah. shit
0: yeah man exactly so you know, peace to coop peace to grab love oh yeah peace to everybody from j5 they're no finishing doubt. up the uh the last leg of their little run out here uh, you know on the east coast and then no I, I imagine they're going to start doing that that uh that festival circuit this summer too yeah. so
1: they good for that. For anyway, sure. so
0: yeah, I had a hell of a hell of a week That's last dope. week. You know, this this weekend was more of the same. We're getting ready to move in two weeks, yeah. so you know, as I as I mentioned last week, fellow listeners, if it gets a little hectic towards the end of June, early July, with consistency from a podcast episode standpoint, yeah, just, just, just know, bear with us. Yeah, just know that your boy here is moving his family of. We'll see. We're a total of six now, so it is just going to get a little hectic. So. Mm. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop running my mouth now.
1: you good. You're good, man.
0: All right. So uh, let's get down to business. Uh, sure. This is the first time you're listening. This is Southern Vanguard Radio. We drop twice a week. On Tuesdays, is a brand new mix show, latest and greatest hip hop joints cut up by myself. And my man Meeks here holding down mic duties. And we're just, you know, cutting up and talking shit and drinking beer and bourbon and just having a good time. And then on Thursdays, we have an interview session with an MC, a DJ. A&R, behind the scenes, whoever it may be. Um, So, uh, you know, make sure you go and subscribe on SoundCloud, on iTunes Podcast, Mm on Mixcloud, on Stitcher Radio. Uh, Tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell a friend. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what we do here. That's what we do. Twice a week meets and twice a week dough. Twice a week. All right. So, now, this week extremely excited i've been a fan of this band and this gentleman that we have on the phone with us tonight Word. who is the is a i guess you could say a founder and leader of this band true i'm gonna fuck his name up
1: no nah, you're not you
0: got it i got it you got it yeah. you want to do
1: the intro i will do it.
0: okay i want to let you do it because i want to screw up his last name
1: this brother is in detroit right now he's an audio engineer and producer Graduated of Wayne State University with a degree in music education, a master's in jazz studies. Oh, this is
0: a a major rollout intro here.
1: Oh, I like you're doing it. I I got it, man. Um, He's a part of adjunct uh, faculty at the Art Institute of Michigan, teaching music theory and digital audio production. Uh, We have a question mark next to that, so we'll come back to that. But I I have that here. Um, The name of the band is Will Sessions. Woo! And... The founder and leader of said band that we have online with us tonight is none other than
2: Oh Oh Oh
1: Sam Bobian. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> what's up, guys? Sam, what's S- happening? Sam, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good,
0: man. Glad to uh, be talking to you guys. Glad to be talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, r- real quick, big shout out to Peter Augustine who actually hooked this up. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah,
1: Peter's a good dude
0: Yeah, absolutely Real good dude Yeah, yeah So shout to Peter for hooking this up And uh, and Sam, thank you for sitting uh, You know, taking some time out uh, Of your evening and talking with us uh, tonight We re- we appreciate it
1: That's what's up Oh, that's for sure
0: So Sam, uh, I don't know Why don't we just level set with everyone real quick uh, And talk about I don't know what's been going on with you guys The last couple of months Like a, there was a new record that came out in, in April I saw something here over the past week or so. that You guys have a beer coming out. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was dope. And then uh, you got some big shows coming up here soon uh, over the next month or so as well. So how about we start there, and then we'll just kind of, you know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll see where this takes us.
3: Well, yeah, we've been uh, kind of busy with our, our new label, Session Sounds, and uh, getting our releases together for that. So we just released our album, Deluxe, uh, which was it's kind of focused in the classic Funk 45 sound, uh, which is kind of what we're kind of popular for here in Detroit. Right. And uh, we released a series of Funk 45s over the years that kind of became collector's items. And uh, we took some of those pieces that were really hard to find and put, like, the full unedited versions for this album deluxe. And uh, to celebrate it, we set up some shows. Uh, one of the shows we just had last week where... Um, Black Lotus Brewery, which is a brewery here in Detroit, Mm. uh, actually in Clawson, which is right outside Detroit, made uh, Will Sessions beer. We played a show, and we had uh, people could drink our beer and listen to our music. It was a good time. And then uh, now we're coming out to uh, New York, uh, playing that uh, La La Presence Rouge over in Brooklyn on the, uh, I think it's the 19th. And then we're playing the 21st and the 22nd over in London.
1: Nice. Oh, first trip overseas, right? Yeah, it
3: is. Our first trip. We got eight dudes in the band, so it's it's hard to travel sometimes. Oh, I bet it is. uh,
0: They got to cut that check to get you guys over (laughs) over the pond. (laughs) Yeah, Peter, shout out to Peter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There you go. (laughs) That's what's up.
1: (laughs) That should be a good time, though, for sure.
0: So, oh yeah. So, uh, so Sam, I, I was, I was curious. I, I, well, first off, I was surprised that this is your first show overseas because I would just, I just assume that you guys have, you know, done the Europe thing, done the Japan thing because I would just assume that you know you guys would be, you guys would do well over there, right? So, um, so I'm, 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 I'm kind of surprised, but you know, when you look at, I can't remember the flyer that Peter sent me. Had a list of all, uh, you guys are headlining one of these one of these events in London, and man, there's mm-hmm. it's basically a, a who's who of kind of you know modern you know funk, uh, if you will. Like yeah. I saw the New Master Sounds on there. I saw uh, I saw Poets of Rhythm, Sugarman Three. I mean, this is no bullshit lineup that you guys are headlining. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, we're writing
3: our we're right in our realm over there. That's what we're excited about. Kind of going in, fitting right into uh, the puzzle right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh that's dope. So so what what was it that finally got you guys, you know, uh, over there? Was it you know, uh, this is all due to Peter or what's you know, why now? Um, the,
3: the guys that are putting on the festival over there are you know they have a, I think they have a weekly sh- uh, event called Hook and Sling. Which specializes in playing funk and soul 45s. Yep.
2: Um,
0: peace, to Eddie Bo. I, what, what was that? piece Peace to Eddie Bo. Hook and Sling. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hook and Sling. Yeah.
3: And that you know they're they're Funk Night Records fans, who was uh, putting out all of our our limited 45s. So I'm sure they've been spinning our records there for a while. So when they decided to put the festival on, finally they you know we were one of the groups that they wanted to hit up. So they okay. hit up Peter, and Peter made it happen.
1: So, that's dope. That's dope. How long would you say they've been um playing your music and your forty fives and everything? Probably for the last seven years. Seven years, okay. Yep. So it's all in the timing. Yep, it's all you in know, the timing. That's what's up.
0: So what what about New York, Sam? You guys done New York before a few times or?
3: Yeah, we've been we've been in New York a, a couple times. Uh we were out there last year and did two shows uh during the Governor Balls weekend. Uh, oh, governor's ball, not governor balls. <laughs> governor's <laughs> <Paul>. ball, balls. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we actually went out there a couple years before that. We were the touring band with uh, legendary Motown guitarist Dennis Coffey.
0: Oh yes.
3: Um, so yes. we did, we did some touring with him, and we played in New York then. And yeah, we love going out there. It's you know it's a little bit of a, a drive, but you know we have some good fans out there, so
1: it's a good oh, spot man. to hit. That's what's up.
0: So, so Sam, what, what's a show like for those that haven't been? Like, if someone's going to this show in New York or they're going to, you know, this show in London for the first time to see, you know, to see you guys, you know, what, what, what can they kind of expect?
3: For us, um, you know, our music is kind of, it's pretty eclectic. You know, we put out lots of different styles of music. We'll put out a hip hop album or we'll put out a funk album or we'll put a, a jazz fusion record out or... You know, we we usually try to focus in on a style and really hit it. So when we're doing shows here in Detroit, you know, if we're doing a show with Black Milk or if we're doing a show with Elzai or someone, it's pretty much all hip-hop. You know, or if we're doing a show, you know, that's all jazz fusion or we do a show that's all funk. But right now, we're really trying to focus in on blending all those styles together into our set and really showcasing all the different aspects of the band. So that's kind of this tour is going to represent Deluxe the album that we just put out which is some funk stuff but um we're really trying to mix in all those different styles so it's non-stop music we don't stop playing everything's transition it's a tight show
2: mm.
3: um but you know we we'll play some dance for our funk and then next thing you know we're hitting some hip-hop joints and next thing you know we're hitting some you know some out there stuff and so some breaks some you know a little bit of everything okay
0: so so when you guys got the band together, uh, it, w- was that your intent was to be kind of this uh, eclectic or diverse or or no?
3: Yeah, it was because you know when the guys when we first started, it was just you know three of us, um, and we were all guys that were studying music in school at the time, and we were you know taking the time at school to play jazz, And we were playing jazz, and when we would get out of school you know, we'd want to play other stuff, you know, stuff that we were listening to. And we were always, I would always listen to hip hop and we were listening to, you know, Miles Davis' Bitches Brew records yeah. or Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters and yeah. Dilla records and all this stuff. And so we wanted to kind of like connect all the dots with all the stuff we've been playing. And uh, so that was kind of like the purpose from the beginning was to play all this different stuff. It's pretty much all the music that we love listening to.
2: Right. You
3: know, we want to play it because we were getting, we were practicing so much. We were getting our skills up and, we could actually play this different stuff we were hearing on records. So that was kind of the point was to just play all the shit that we loved.
1: Sam, what's the logistics like for a full eight piece with all the biscuits and sides and, and everything that comes with it? Like, is that a, is that a nightmare or have y'all streamlined it? What's, what's that like?
3: Uh, I mean, it is a lot of work. I and mean, you know, for example, for this tour that we're setting up now, um, for me personally, as the band leader, my main instrument is trumpet, but I also play keys in the band. Mm-hmm. So I, I learn all my keyboard parts, I learn my trumpet parts, and then for the rest of the horns I gotta write arrangements for every song. Mm-hmm. You know. Then we have rehearsals. Right. And then we start practicing and then everything gets changed. <laughs> you know. Oh, no, almost, right. of has, <laughs> you know. Everyone's like, We should put this here, we should put that there, we should do this there, we should do it, you know, do it this way. Um, then I gotta go back through and change some of the things. Uh, sometimes if we're using the hip hop shows we have a drum machine, our percussionist is playing a drum machine, so then I gotta make all the sounds that go on the drum machine and program the drum oh, machine, wow. and program the keyboards. So it it is a it is a lot of work, but yeah. it doesn't feel like work
1: when you love it, you know. Oh absolutely. And what um what about travel, say like for, for the New York trip that's that's coming up? Like uh what 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 kind of details go into something like that?
3: I mean it's it definitely you know the budget makes a big difference when you have eight dudes so Mm -hmm. we found that airbnb is kind of like the best way for like overnight stay you can get like a whole house cheaper than you could get you know all those hotel rooms right uh so that usually the way we go sometimes when we drive out there you know you got to get one of those big church buses you know (laughs) and uh and get out there with one of those you know the big buses and uh so it's it's a little bit more difficult than you know like a producer or a DJ who kind of is on their own.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's definitely uh, you definitely have to think about a lot of different things. You know how we're going to get to and from the airport. Yeah. You don't want to take four cabs. Yeah, you know yeah. that that can be expensive or not on time. So you you know you rent a different van to get to the airport or whatever yeah. it is. So there's a lot of a lot of different things you got to think about.
1: And as far as uh, the U.K. is concerned, are, are we talking about flights here? Or are y'all going to KRS-One route and taking a <laughs> taking a, a full cruise? Taking a boat. <laughs> right.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we're flying out there. So, you know, it's from Detroit. Um, the only way to get to Europe, uh, like, you can go direct to Amsterdam from Detroit. That's um, not So, bad. usually, a lot of guys I know when they do, like, European travels or tours and stuff like that, they, they fly directly to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, if I go to Amsterdam, I may not leave. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, but it's cheaper to fly out of New York to get over to London. So okay. that's why we planned the New York show around after having a London show, because it would be cheaper for us to actually fly to, London, or to New York, play a show, yeah. than fly to London.
1: Okay. Makes sense.
0: Now, Sam, so what, what do you guys do about, um, uh, about uh, instruments? Like I mean, driving to New York and hauling your shit in a U-Haul or a big van or what whatever is one thing. But when you go overseas, what what are you guys doing? Are are you renting? or Are you shipping your shit over? Or like, what's going on there?
3: We're gonna just do backline. You know, we're gonna rent stuff, and okay. luckily Peter's, you know, Peter has, knows what he's doing. So he just gets asks us what we need, and he makes sure gotcha. he negotiates that with the deal. But right, gotcha. luckily, when you're going to a Funk and Soul festival, they're gonna have most Everything. of the stuff that you yeah. need. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah,
0: I didn't think about that. Cool. All right, that's cool. cool. Yeah. Well, well, how did you and Peter connect?
3: Peter was a friend of kind of like our, our original, I don't want to say manager, but the guy that kind of helped us do a lot of the, our deals with Fat Beats, this guy named, guy named Bill Sharp. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bill Sharp. I'm not. Um, Bill Sharp worked at Fat Beats for a long time, and he was Black Milk's manager for a while. With, oh. He was working with Heck and um so we met him i met him through black and uh he actually is the one that just asked me and he's like do you want to put out instrumental versions of elmatic and do you want to do these things called mixtakes those were kind of his ideas
2: oh. so he
3: brought those to the table and hooked us up with those deals and he knew peter because he lived out in new york so he kind of connected us with peter so he's done a lot for us
0: that's what's so up yeah so um so, so you mentioned uh the him coming up with the idea of the um uh what's it called the mixed uh, it's not the mixtape it's the
1: yeah mixtape mixtapes
0: so Mm -hmm. it it was was this after kind of the success of elmatic or
3: yeah uh when we did elmatic um you know bill was like you know it'd be sweet to make a video to show people kind of how you guys make this type of stuff. hmm You know, so like the, like a, a live performance of us doing hip-hop tracks so people could see, you know, how we approached making these hip-hop tracks you heard on the record for Helmatic. Uh, right. So that was kind of like the point of doing the mixtakes one and two. So that's why Owen's all hip-hop-based. And then one and two did so well, we decided to do three and four, but we want to change it up a little bit and do that one, have that one all be funk.
0: Gotcha. Right. And then I assume that's 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 kind of how the show ends up being laid out is kind of in that format. Kind of like. Exactly. A, OK, OK, gotcha. All right. Yeah.
1: Sam, speaking of Elmatic of for a second, um, how is it that nobody remembers who approached who about getting you guys on Elmatic? <laughs> who who doesn't remember? Who I, It's just uh, something we got here in the notes uh, shortly thereafter, Elzai himself or his manager. Jay Barber. Mm-hmm. No one seems to remember <laughs> approached uh, <laughs> Bovian to co- collaborate on Elmatic. Is yeah, I th- that?
0: I think it was an interview with you, Sam, or, or something like that. It, 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 I pulled it from a, a, an online interview, I believe. I've, I found it. Seems like no one can remember h- how the connection was made. I guess
3: the the way it first started was we were doing these shows here in Detroit. Uh, we were calling them you know, so-and-so big band. So we did the Black Milk big band where we would play, a do a big show where we'd, like, learn a, a bunch of his songs from his catalog and we'd perform them live with him. Mm. Um, so we did that with Black Milk. We did that with Fat Cat. We did that with Guilty Simpson. And these shows were really, you know, they did really well here in Detroit. And uh, Fat Cat started calling us Real Sessions because we would, even though we're a live band, they would sound just like the record on oh. stage. Ah, so. Dope. You know, so it was. He kept calling us "real sessions" on stage. So we got booked to play this festival here in Detroit called Electronic Music Festival Movement, which is mm -hmm. like probably the biggest music festival here in Detroit. Yeah. Um, And uh, so we got booked to play it, and so I asked uh, Fat Cat and Guilty to come perform with us. We did like a Fat Cat Guilty set, and that we invited. Actually, I think Fat Cat invited Elzai to come up because we did Cold Steel which yep. is a Jay Dilla track
2: yep.
3: and it has LZI on there. So LZI came up and he did his verse and everything was good. And we hung out and chilled. And he was already working on Elmatic at the time. He was actually, he was rapping over the beats that already existed. Mm. But a lot of those tracks have never been released as instrumental. So he was kind of rapping over some, like the karaoke versions of them.
2: Mm.
3: So they were, I remember like one of the times I went and recorded with Black for his album of the year album, uh, the same studio L's I worked at and I walked in that he was recording his, uh, Detroit state of mind, um, over the track. And I was like, man, this stuff's really good. You know, his verses are just crazy. And, uh, so just uh with our connection through black milk and guilty and playing those shows and him seeing us performing with us on stage. You know, he came up, L's came up with the, I, the idea to like recreate all the music rather than using these like fake instrumentals that he was getting. Okay, And, uh, so he had talked to his manager, who was Jay Barber, and uh, his manager actually contacted me and asked me to come meet them up at, uh, they're rehearsing him, DJ Dez, we we're re- rehearsing mm. for some tour he's going to do. So they invited me to come out and hang out for a minute. So I talked to Jay and and and, El, and they said, you know, is this something you'd be interested in? And I was like, yeah, man, hell yeah. That's what's up. You know, because I was a huge fan of Bell's Eye, you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. So just to be able to get in a studio with him and work with him, he's you know he's crazy as an MC. So
1: no doubt. Yeah, I got
0: I got to tell you, man. When I <clears throat> when I first heard about Elmatic, I was super, super, super skeptical. Because oh yeah, as, I mean, <laughs> as, as the I, whole as time I, I was like really worried. Right, you know? <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah, you should you should have been. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but I got to tell you, man i I was so impressed man when i heard that project i mean i i i don't even know how really to describe it i was almost floored when i heard it because i mean to to do what you guys did and the way that you pulled it off and made it your own i mean that is very difficult to do i mean i i'm I'm still a little amazed by it and it, it was really interesting too sam when i in that same interview we were talking about you know you guys trying to figure out how you connected there, there's mm-hmm. there's one bit in this uh this interview I saw where you're talking about um about hard to tell, it ain't hard to tell.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: And how um, shit didn't match up. Yeah, the shit didn't match up and how you're talking about the horn from um it's the cool in the gang shit, right, Sam? Isn't that what it is? Yeah. 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 Now that We talk about uh halftime. I'm sorry, ha- was it halftime? Oh no, is it no, no uh Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Halftime was the shit from in the Gang. What was the horn in uh, mm-hmm. In uh, It Ain't Hard to Tell? I don't know.
3: The part that wouldn't match up in It Ain't Hard to Tell was when we got Royce's verse.
0: Oh. Is that what I was talking about in that interview?
3: Or was uh, I talking about like a musical thing, like harmony-wise?
0: Yeah, well, you're just talking about how
1: two you were... samples are, are yeah, thrown together.
0: Yeah, and this it says sometimes two samples are thrown together. One sped up a little bit and the other slowed down a little bit and it didn't work musically. So oh, you just yeah, you just yeah. ended up leaving it off, I think.
3: I think uh, oh that's uh that's the one track we didn't do on the album. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, there's you know, it's really you know, for me like somebody who like was you know, I studied music and stuff like that, you know, it's there's like rules in music theory. You know, things right. work together for certain reasons.
2: For sure.
3: So when you start with hip hop it's you know they'd always throw all this different stuff together, and it was crazy because you wouldn't really know it didn't work until you really tried to break it down. And you're like, oh, this isn't supposed to work. Right. You know? <laughs> and sometimes, oh, no, I know you're talking about. That is the sax- This is the saxophone you're yeah. talking about. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, from yep. NT, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the saxophone was in a weird, even when we tried to play it, it didn't ever sounded the same as it did on the record right? because of the way specifically for the saxophone to get that effect that that, that that's on the sample. It's a, it's a certain trick that you can do. that You can't do with every note. It only works oh. with that certain note. Right. It's kind of like with a guitar has got like open strings and certain things sound better on open strings and they sound like, not open strings right? right. or like a the trumpet there's certain tricks i can do that you hear like something like freddie Hubbard will do a certain trick right. but they only work in, in certain keys because it's the way the buttons work on the trumpet so on the saxophone because that rec- record was uh slowed down it changed the key and he couldn't you can't get that same effect mm-hmm. without playing it in the original key
0: yeah, so so, so uh, that's...
3: we tried to, we tried to do a bunch of stuff. We tried to have him play it and have me slow it down. Yeah, but you know, the way the way a record sounds like it slowed down versus like a digital slowdown isn't the same, right? You know, so that was a choice I had to make. There was only a couple of those times in the album where I really had to make a choice like that, mm. and uh, that was one of them where I was like, it's a really iconic part of that track, right? And then you got to leave it out, you know, which <laughs> which kind of sucks, but yeah. You know, then you just you try to make it work without it.
0: Well, so the interesting thing about that, though, is that so, so large pro produced that joint, right? And then he also mm-hmm. produced. Uh, he also produced. Um, he also produced halftime. And if memory serves, mm-hmm. and Meeks, I don't know if you remember, we talked to Doctor Butcher about this. About large was notorious on on Ilmatic for using multiple. Uh, m- multiple records and sources and things that necessarily weren't in tune or in key. Like he would, he would like put things together that were not, were not supposed to be together on purpose. Well, yeah. yeah. It was just how he made the beat. Like, yeah. for example, I believe it's, I believe it's in halftime and Sam, you might be able to correct me if I screw this up, but like the, the, the baseline in halftime is actually, yeah, but the changeup, yeah. it's, it's two different records. It's like a Lee Dorsey record and a hair record or something now like I that. now I think
1: about it, the horns in halftime just come from out of left field. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But exactly. combined, it works. Exactly, yes, yeah. exactly. So I got to say, regarding uh, yeah. L. Matic and, and everything, I wasn't really worried about how it was, would would turn out because on some, a situation like that approaches everything. So for me... Hearing that LZI was gonna pay homage to Nas by doing uh L Matic. Um, and not really knowing, you know, what the production was gonna be like or anything like that. Just knowing that L was gonna do it, I was comfortable because he's yeah. a dope MC. Right. It's like he he's not gonna fuck that up. It's 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 not a situation where it's VH one hip hop honors and you got Rich Homie Quan doing biggie. <laughs> It wasn't, it, like I said, approaches everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like yeah. you get the right people involved, yeah. it can be something beautiful, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But true. if you're just doing it for notoriety and, oh, let's get the hottest rappers today to do, right. that's you true. know, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't be feeling that yeah. at all. But I was like, I was like, oh shit, Elzai is going to fuck with that. I was like, that's going to be dope. Yeah. I was I was waiting on that. Yeah. What, were weird. you guys sweating meanwhile
3: end? I was worried the whole time <laughs> of course
1: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah exactly. sound like it but you had I mean it was I'm sure all the intricate shit was was sitting on your plate you know what I mean so I can understand that too yeah I mean uh
3: of all the rappers that I worked with he's like the most musical I guess mm-hmm. is the way I could explain it you know he working with him in the studio he's a lot like working with a musician in the studio Okay. Or well, usually when you work with rappers, they're not like working with musicians; it's just, like working with a rapper. You know, okay. not anything, not downplaying it, but it's just something different. No, that's real. You know,
0: so what, is, what does that come from, Sam? Like, well, what 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 is it about L? Like, what is it just not just he, uh, natural talent he has, or what what is it?
3: His like the way he hears things in his approach. He thinks about. Well, first of all, he doesn't. He wasn't reading anything ever. It was all off the top of his head. So he never came over with like a lyric sheet. I never saw a lyric sheets. He never had anything. He for, for did all
0: it. of Elmatic. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, fucked
1: me up. Holy shit.
3: Yeah. So he, he wasn't you know, show ever up at reading, the session and you know, he didn't and come over with a notebook or anything. He oh, just did man. it. Oh my god. Wow. So and not only that, but when he would do it, he would do a couple of different takes for each song. You know, so for example, he would do his verse, and it was like the same type of thing each time. He'd be like, how did that sound? And I'd be like, dude, that was crazy. Like, you know, like, he's like, I don't, let me try it a little bit different. And he'd usually, when he'd rap it the second time, he would use different lyrics. You know, sometimes he would like just use, it was kind of like a jazz musician when they're, you know, they're imp- doing their improv, That's you crazy. know what I'm saying? So if I'm taking a solo, you know, I may start it the same way, but the way I'm going to respond to the way I start may be a, a little bit different the next time I come around to do it. That's so cool. he was doing something similar. So when he'd come in with his second take of it, he would change up words or change up his phrasing just slightly. You could tell that it was intentional, you know, like he was really thinking about how he was communicating with the music. And also he was really big on his tone. He has all these different tones that he does right. with his voice. He changes his tone. So he would always be really conscious of how his tone was with the music. So he would try different tones to see which one would blend better with the keys and all that stuff. So he really thought a lot like a musician and how he fit into the overall thing rather than just writing on top of it. Right. You know, he was really, you know, like he just approached it without any music. He approached it without, you know, without the lyrics, he approached it, differently each time he was really conscious of what was going on
1: that's what i'm saying that Damn. key word is approach man Yeah, exactly You gotta you gotta come correct or don't come at all Ooh, man man yeah wow. that's oh what you fucked me world? up that's awesome <laughs> what in the world that's
0: so, awesome so so sam when, when did you realize everything was gonna be okay like okay like after the after the record came out and everybody loved it or like what was the like what, 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 it,
3: the day i felt good about it was uh I'm an avid listener of like Benji B and Giles Peterson. There's like my, right. yep. I listen to them every week. Okay. You know, they're like my source of inspiration a lot. So
2: okay.
3: one day I'm listening to Benji B when like, this is before the album came out and he plays our track, One Love, which blew my mind. Cause I was like, how the hell did he get out of my basement? You know, <laughs> oh. we haven't, you know, like I didn't give it to him, you know, so I'm assuming Elzai somehow got it to him right um that's the only that's the only way he could have got it but he played it on the show and that was the one track that i was like the most worried about Mm. that one took me a lot of work to get it to sound right and i was having trouble with the mix and one love was just a really that one was really tough and uh when he played it and they liked it and then I started seeing reception on it online instead of people hating on it, <laughs> you know, right. it's like, it's like asking someone to remake Thriller, you know, it's like, <laughs> yes, you, it do is. That? you know, so it's like when that when I heard it on Benji B, I was like, OK, it looks like this is going to be OK.
1: <laughs> That's what's up.
0: <laughs> you slept good that night, right, Sam? <laughs> yeah. You slept yeah. good as a motherfucker <laughs> that night. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, yeah this is going to work out. I haven't been wasting the, you know, last six to eight or 12 months of my life, you know, trying to remake Illmatic. Holy shit. Wow. That,
3: that that was like two months. That's all it took. What? Yeah, that, that whole process was about two months.
0: Oh, shit. Right, maybe you were just up straight for two months. Yeah. That's pretty that like like 12 much months, 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> my oh, wife yeah.
3: wasn't happy, but we got it done. I that's, bet
0: she wasn't. That's was dope. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, Will, I, I got to admit that's, that's probably, I, I had heard about a few of the, for, uh, the, like the funk 45s and whatnot, like before that, I had heard about you guys just kind of, you know, just on some underground shit. But I mean, that was really the first thing that kind of propelled you guys into a national spotlight, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep.
3: Okay. Cause so we- the funk night stuff was like intentionally, it's intentionally rare. You know, they, we didn't make any digital versions of them. There was only 500 copies the records would sell out in 24 to 48 hours each time. Right. You know, right. so they were the, the Frank who puts out the Funk night records. The whole point of it was for them to be rare,
0: right? You know? Right. So, so what's the, so what's the, what's the rarest? I haven't looked in a while. Like what joint is going to get you, are, are you going to get taxed on if you're looking for it?
3: Probably, uh, the first ones we did because those were the first releases on Funk night.
2: Okay.
0: So
3: like the, uh, the Billy Love records we did yeah. was like Get Your Mind Right and, um, Harmony. Those ones are probably the rarest ones because they're, they're Funk Night zero zero one and 002. Right. Um, and then the other one is probably the Ricky Calloway Shake It Up and Shake It Down. That's gotcha. probably our most popular one and hard to find.
0: Gotcha. So what's that, what's that going to set you back if you're, uh, if you're trolling eBay or Discogs or whatever for, do you know? Uh, I think around eighty. Eighty bucks, okay.
3: Yeah, I've seen I've seen them go for eighty. You know, between fifty and eighty, nothing crazy. But you know, we were selling them for five dollars. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah, hell, hell, hell yeah. I, I, I hope no, it, I'm
3: not at 80 bucks, but you know,
0: <laughs> I, I, I hope you got a couple boxes in the stash somewhere for uh, you know little uh, little emergency Some rainy uh, day. Yeah, a little little rainy day emergency you know stash fund there. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you know, we didn't uh, we didn't keep as many as we would have liked because you know we didn't make that many of them. So we want to get them out. But we all have we all, each of the guys have our own little little stash.
1: That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's up. Sam, just uh, touching on your your resume a little bit. Um, I think we got some um, probably got a a, a a good a good amount of people that's still salty with NPR um, based on mm-hmm. some changes <laughs> over at Georgia State University. Um, mm-hmm. And their radio programming and and all of that. What um what's your affiliation with NPR been like over the years? Uh,
3: well, I work at uh, my one of my day gigs, which I have a couple different hustles going, but one of them is I am an engineer and producer at WDET, which is Detroit's NPR station. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, make I do the imaging for the station. So even some of the guys will you know will record the sound of the station, like, so all like the station IDs and all the stuff, you know, we try to give it like a Detroit sound. So I do the production for them, promos, uh, record interviews. I record all the bands. Um, it's a good, it's a good day gig to have. And it's it's a station I grew up listening to. There's a huge music station in Detroit. You know, we have a huge music library. Um, it's a really, uh, it's a staple of, of like Detroit
1: culture. Okay. And the, the issue with, uh, with NPR taking over at Georgia State was it's, uh, it, I, I think it was a couple of them. It's, it's no longer student run. And mm-hmm. I think the majority of the programming is talk radio. Um, yeah,
3: that's pretty normal for NPR stations now. They're,
1: okay. The talk
3: thing has been, they've been taking the music thing. A little bit less. That's the way WDET was in D- Detroit when I grew up. Was all music. It was a right. whole only music station, twenty four hours a day.
1: But that's changed.
3: But that's changed. Okay. Yeah. Now all it's right. uh, news and music. So it's like that here too. And there was a big. Um, a lot of people were upset when they made that change.
1: Yeah, I believe it. You how, know? how much
0: content yeah. is locally produced there, uh, Sam? For for WDET, is, is there a good bit, or, or are you just kind of bombarding all yeah. the nationally syndicated shit? Or what's what's going on with that?
3: We have the national syndicated stuff for sure, but we have our our daily shows. We have a, you know, a daily show, uh, Detroit today, um, which is like, kind of like our news kind of like talk kind of, uh, you know, Steven Henderson's, uh, editor Mm -hmm. for the free press here and he has a show and we have a daily music show. Mm -hmm. Um, we have, and then the weekends is all of our uh, curated music shows. We have a lot
1: of those on the weekends. Gotcha. Sam, have you been able to maximize your lifestyle with your your degree in music education and your masters in jazz studies? Has that, you know, pretty much uh worked out for you?
3: Yeah, I mean I've been fortunate to actually be able to make a career with music and make, you know, money and a living and stuff like that, which so I've been lucky. But you know, originally I originally was in school for education and uh I taught in Detroit for seven years. Okay. At that time that's when I was, you know, did the alomatic and the mixtapes like that. I'd teach kids during the day and come home and work on music. Okay. And uh eventually, uh because I was doing all the Will Session songs and everything and I started getting hired to do television commercials writing for like Chrysler and Ford mm. and stuff like that doing their commercials. Nice. Uh especially like that imported from Detroit campaign. We didn't, you know, a that that. lot of that was Will Sessions. Yeah, stuff. I
1: remember no that. No shit, I didn't realize that. I huh? remember those. Yeah. Really? Yeah, no yeah, shit. Yeah, they there. had like
3: the Eminem song uh-huh. in there.
1: But did and you, did you guys
3: replay that? No, we didn't replay that one. That was still the, the people that did that were the same guys that did the original Eminem one. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But when they, uh, they wanted to keep doing stuff with that imported from Detroit, so they wanted to continue with the Detroit sound. So they had hired me to compose the music and stuff like that. So I was engineering it and doing stuff like that. And um, eventually a uh, position opened up at a college to teach audio engineering and, mm-hmm. you know, just as adjunct, and you know, just some more more, more pocket change for me. So I applied and got that. And okay. next thing you know, I'm an audio engineer. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: are, and are you still doing that or that's that's in the past? Uh
3: Yeah, I'm still doing the adjunct thing. I'm not currently at the Art Institute. I'm at this school called Dime here in Detroit. Okay, And I'm doing um more of, like, composition and stuff like that.
1: Okay. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Sam, real quick, you, you mentioned something earlier. I meant to ask you about this, but uh, how did the connection with Dennis Coffee end up happening? Was that just being in Detroit um, or, like...
3: Yeah, just kind of being around. I mean, a lot of the guys that I studied with when I was coming up were people associated with Motown um, and... You know, I was lucky at Wayne State is a college that's actually in Detroit and it's like it's probably you know, it's less than a quarter mile from Hittsville. Right. And you know, really close to United Sound where they recorded all the P Funk records and everything.
2: Right.
3: Um, so just the guys that taught at my school when I was coming up were guys that were Motown musicians or Motown composers. Like my my main teacher for composing was a guy named David Vandepitt. And he did the whole Marvin Gaye's Look Going On album. He was the orchestrator and the arranger for that whole album. Wow. Um, and he did a lot of, lot of Motown stuff. He was a Motown uh, in-house composer. And uh, the musicians that taught there, you know, uh, Marcus Belgrave, who's a legendary trumpet player, the guys that did like Tribe Records and Strata yeah. Records here in Detroit, all those musicians, Larry Nazaro, Dennis Tini, um, those guys were all teachers at my school. Wow. So when I was coming up I got to study with him and just making connections and uh Dennis hadn't really been playing that much in Detroit for a little while. What is crazy about Dennis is he after Motown ended, he went back to school and got a degree in computer science and then he worked for Chrysler and retired from Chrysler as a like some kind of computer engineer. Really? So yeah. Oh wow, no. So, wow. like, you know. Yeah, when Motown moved to uh, California he you know business slowed down, and he was like, "All right, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my career So he went back and got this computer degree and got a job in the auto industry, just like most people in detroit do right and uh you know he did that for a while and retired and then there 's like this whole funk and soul resurgence that 's happened over the past sure. you know ten ten years, yeah so uh he was approached by strut records, yep to do a new album Uh and uh the studio he was recording at um they knew me and they had hired us to for me to do the horn arrangements so i did all the horn arrangements for his album and played horns on there and uh when he was getting ready for his tour um they asked us to you know to back him up
0: damn that's
3: going good i mean we played bonnaroo we played the main stage at bonnaroo which was pretty crazy wow Um,
2: that
0: had to be pretty uh, surreal right
3: yeah, that was pretty pretty crazy because the lineup that day on that stage was us, Wiz Khalifa, Eminem, and Rihanna, and the Black Keys.
1: Oh my God, <laughs> that's insane! That's crazy!
3: Wow! Yeah, so it was, that was definitely fun. I mean, that whole that whole tour was great. We did uh, NPR World Cafe, we did South by Southwest, we did uh, New York, we did Chicago, we did, and for the guys in the band, that was like our first time going out and. So it was, it, was, it was really good experience, and Dennis is a trip. You know, I mean, he is one of those guys that remembers everything. So he has like a hundreds oh. and hundreds of stories. He was one of those guys that didn't really party too much,
1: so oh, he remembers okay. everything. Okay, but he he just <laughs> he shared so stories much, to so tell, much man. with us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so so so, uh, Sam, do you, what, uh, what what were your conversations with him like on some hip hop shit? Like did did does he know or realize like the influence he had or did he keep up with that? Yeah. Or? Okay.
3: He, um, didn't know it at the, t- like at the time, like, uh, you know, like when public enemy or like bust and move and all that stuff was coming out there, right. sampling Scorpio and stuff like that. He didn't know, but he has a son who's, you know, probably 35 or 40 now
2: Yeah.
3: that was starting to realize, you know, cause he was getting into hip hop and learning a lot of stuff like that. He, uh, started informing his dad about it and like, hey dad they're dennis, taking your shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah well dennis is you know he told me he's like he's like yeah you know i i called chuck d and you know chuck D was like man if i you know i would you know i'd give you something if i had it type thing and then he's like now me and chuck d are best friends and he calls me every year in christmas you know so it's, <laughs> wow
1: if I give you, if I had something, I would give, I would it, give it to it. you. Yeah. Man, please. That's and ill. So I mean, the, you know,
3: the attitude that Dennis had was he kind of, he understood what it was and he appreciated what it was, you yeah, know? So right. he was never like, he wasn't bitter about it. He wasn't. Um,
1: well, that's cool.
3: It didn't sound like he didn't understand what the culture was about. He He got it.
1: Okay. Right. Right.
0: That's, you, know, you You hear stories about that, like, you know, somebody's son told him, you know, hey, dad, they're, you know, they're sampling your music. Uh, doesn't Isaac Hayes have a story like that? He
1: probably does. Like, uh, I, the
0: the story I heard about him was um, was one of his sons was listening to um, uh, was it mind playing tricks on me. That's an Isaac Hayes sample, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it was one of those like early ghetto boys joint. Yeah. And I think he, I think he like put it in the car. And, and and Isaac was like he was in the car riding with it head like, like dad, this is the joint, like this is jamming. And he plays his shit and he's like that's fucking me. <laughs> They're sampling my shit. Yeah. You
1: now, nah, at the yeah, time man, that happened, I'm doing, I imagine you know. Isaac Hayes hit the roof on that. Oh, shit. Oh hell because- yeah!
0: Oh yeah, man. I mean, he, he, he you know you didn't have a cell phone at that time, so I, he pulled over and like hit a payphone real yeah. quick. So we got to get somebody hey. on the phone
1: to figure this shit hey, out. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I need a check. Hell yeah, yeah! Hey Sam. Yeah, quick. the vibe I got from Dennis was he he was more like
3: interested and inspired by it, like the way how right. they took.
1: That's a good you know, attitude. The break and, yeah. you know,
0: so. That's dope. Yeah,
1: what well, were that's you gonna say, Biggs? Ad- at- no, I was um I was just gonna say, um, going back to, you know, what, what we kind of touched on in regards to approach, um uh something that stuck out for me on the uh on the, the prep for tonight was uh most of the guys in the band are either music collectors or DJs. Um uh, so that inspires Uh, us in the way we approach records and songs how has that been an absolute plus for you guys like in the in the grand scheme of things
3: uh i think it's more of like like connecting the dots between people that are like classically trained versus like that the crate digger attitude you know Mm -hmm. we like the appreciation for the breaks and how you view a break as a record collector you know and then as a musician listening to that break and then understanding what's going on you know understanding how they're playing and then also like you know how their drums are tuned and how they recorded it and all that stuff so we for all of us like you know it's like like me i was growing up playing trumpet you know, studying in school, but when I would come home, I was listening to hip hop records. You know, mm-hmm. right? You know, I I, I remember skipping bands to go buy Wu Tang Forever the day it came out. Mm-hmm. You know, right. right? So it's like, but I still went home and practiced my trumpet. You know, so it's there was this kind of parallel thing going on. They they, they didn't really connect at the beginning. It was two separate things. And uh, same thing with our guitar player. You know, he's like a reggae DJ and all this stuff. So hmm. all the guys. Being like really into collecting records and then getting to the point where you're with a group of dudes who all are like minded. You know, we all grew up listening to all these different types of music, right. understanding how sampling works and all that stuff. And then when you go to play it, you know, rather than some bands, like when you have live hip hop, it can be, you know, it can not be great sometimes. Right. Yeah. You know, sometimes the guys will overplay or you know, they'll add all this other stuff or the sound isn't right or whatever it is. And we always would understood that how the sampling made the music what it was.
2: Right.
3: You know? So you approach it differently. You almost approach it like classical music, meaning that, like, mm. there isn't as much room for improvisation. You have to play it a certain way. As is. Got you know? Mm. So it's like on a on a record, you know, on the classical, as a classical musician, your job is to read the music off the sheet of paper, mm. you know, and interpret it, but interpret it with the group. And in jazz, your job is to create music on the spot that can be different every night. And as a musician who approaches a sample-based type music, you kind of approach it more of like in a classical way, I would say, which okay. is weird because it's not <laughs> classical music at all. But right. Right. you approach it in this way where like I have to play the piano role a certain way and I got to do it every time you know, for it to have the right effect, right. you know? Because when something repeats the same thing over and over again, just like it is in techno or in hip hop or whatever, it, it, it's more of like a, it gives a different effect as a listener and more puts you into like a trance Right. versus with live music, you kind of go on the journey with them, you know? So it's kind of like try to understand how those things work together.
0: Okay. Oh, I've, never really like, yeah, no, I've, never, I've never really thought about it like that. Yeah, absolutely. I've never really thought about it like that. It's really bugged out uh so 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 to that sam uh i noticed looking back at your discography that did you do some traditional kind of um not traditional i shouldn't say traditional did or were you producing um for folks kind of like in the late 90s and early 2000s like i saw, I saw some credit credits for um well, I guess he was Buff One at the time, for for, uh, for Jamal Buffer from Black Opera, yeah. <laughs> and I, I saw yeah. I saw a credit on uh, on House Shoes LP, um, mm-hmm. you know, from a few years back. Like, were, were you were you um, were you on like an MP or something? Like, just doing hip hop beats or?
3: Yeah, that's kind of that. I mean, that's where Will Sessions originally started. It was just me, okay. um, and I was producing. There's our very very first album. It's called Many Faces, and it's like all hip hop beats. Okay. Um, and, uh, at the time, you know, I was studying music and playing music, but I loved hip hop. So I would go home and, you know, make beats for fun mainly, you know, and just, you know, just another way for me to make music. And, uh, I got connected with Buff One actually through MySpace, <laughs> which is interesting. And, uh, he had heard a track and he was putting on a mixtape and he hit me up and was like, Hey, is it, you know, do you mind if I use this? And I was like, yeah, you know, and he, uh, he was part of the Athletic Mike League.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. AML. Wrong. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So like 14KT, um, Mayor Hawthorne, who at the time was DJ Haircut. Uh, They're all, all kind of part of this crew. And Buff One came over and recorded, and then my, you know, he came up in my basement, and he was like, oh, is that a Fender Rose, or is that a trumpet? Like, you play these instruments too? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, we may need to get you on this. We may need to get you on that. So they started, you know, that's kind of how I started as a live because they started to pass my name around, I did a trumpet, I did some trumpet stuff for 14kt, um and stuff like that. So, but yeah, at the beginning, it was just making beats, and you know, I actually came up with the name Will Sessions to hide my real name because I was a teacher. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you okay. know, I didn't want I didn't right. want the principals and people when I go get jobs to look it up and see smart that I was a hip hop producer because I felt like they would look down on it. Smart move, you smart know? Right. Move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So, so where does it come from, uh Sam? Like what's the well,
3: William William is my middle name. Okay. So I use Will. And uh I remember when me and my friend at the time he was a roommate of mine were trying to come up with a name. Uh and uh originally it was Cush Sessions. So Cush is a trumpet player that played on like the James Brown and the P Funk albums. Yeah, right. It was like the session guy that played <laughs> his name was Cush. And uh and also Cush. You know? right. So uh <laughs> <laughs> so it was Cush Cush Sessions because I was kinda of like a Session musician. Right. And uh and then he grew up with this guy named Will Sessions. And Will Sessions grandfather was William S. Sessions who worked for Ronald Reagan. Okay. And he was the guy that came up with the say no to drugs campaign. Mm. No yeah, shit. Really? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you played like if you remember playing arcade games in the eighties, there was like oh. the FBI warning at yeah. the beginning oh, hell yeah. of, the, of the arcade game. And it was always signed at the bottom by William. I Session. remember that. Oh
1: my god! I
3: remember that shit. Holy yeah.
1: shit! Uh, crazy. <laughs> that's dope.
3: So we're like, well, well, let's use that, you know. <laughs> so that's why I use that. That's
1: dope. That's
3: dope.
0: Damn, that is crazy. So, so what? You just ended up kind of dropping, dropping, uh, dro- dropping the kind of the traditional hip hop production shit when you started getting more live gigs, Sam, or you just kind of moved yeah, away from like, that? Well, or? the
3: first gig we got. The first time there's a, there's a festival here in Detroit called Dally in the Alley. And it's, uh, it's right in like the cast corridor, like right in the heart of like the cultural part of Detroit. And, uh, we're all like artists live and musicians live and everything. So it's a really cool festival to play. I'd go to it a lot when I was younger and I'd put out the many faces album and, uh, they had asked me to do a set there. And I mean, the whole time I was in school, I mean, I never, I didn't want to DJ, you know, I was a, I was a musician and all my friends are musicians. So I was like, well, you know, let me put together some of my friends, you know, that I know that can play really well. And we're going to play some of this stuff live. And then it just stuck with that after that.
0: Damn, that's dope. that's crazy. Yo, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. Sam, uh you know, your group is known for a lot of uh, high profile collaborations. I mean, we got Mayor Hawthorne. Slum Village, Elzai, Black Milk, Fat Cat, Guilty Simpson, Eminem, Slaughterhouse, Karis One, Danny Brown, DJ Dez, uh, Jeremy Ellis, Wendell Harrison, uh, the list goes on. Uh, You got any high-profile collaborations coming up that you can talk about?
3: Yeah. uh, Right now, we just finished up our next album with Ant Fiddler, who is like a legendary, you know, musician here in detroit you know he taught jay dilla how to make beats you know on that pc and he played with george clinton for years he still plays with george clinton and uh he is you know just he's one of the he's part of the legacy here in detroit for sure he's a really important really important guy so we uh we connected with him a few years ago and he's been a friend of mine ever since and then uh i played him some stuff i was working on and he liked it and Right away, he sang on it that day. We made a track which came out recently. Uh, we released a single called Seven Mile and Lost Without You, Yeah, okay. the 45. And uh, those two tracks are off the upcoming album, so that's kind of our our next big thing we're working on. And it sounds really good. We're really happy about the album. It's, it's like the music that we grew up listening to. It's like 1978 P-Funk or 1978 Stevie Wonder, 1978 Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. that kind of vibe.
0: Okay, uh, dope. How how is it with the new label now, um, Sam? You guys, you guys, glad you made the jump there, or
3: how's that oh, yeah, working for out? Sure.
0: Yeah, uh,
3: we were already working with Fat Beats for a while. They were putting out our records, and uh, you know they're a really good company for independent independent artists to work with. Because I mean, for distribution, they're all over the place. You know, they'll get your records in that. You know, most of the stores that people are going to go to to buy that kind of music, right? So. Uh, they were putting out our records for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, because we're a, a large band and eight piece band, we know that we're not going to do a whole lot of touring all the time. So we decided like, all right, let's really focus on doing as much recording as we can, you know, recording right. as much, putting out albums more frequently than we have before. So, uh, at the time, our buddy Bill, who's the same guy that came up with, uh, the Elmatic instrumentals and the mixtakes, he, um, negotiated a good deal with fat beats to kind of fund our record label session sounds. And, uh, which is a great, we have a great collaboration with them. We make stuff, we give it to them, they get it everywhere.
1: So do it, it's a really good situation. Good. Glad to hear it, man.
0: That's dope. No yeah.
1: horror stories over there. Yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So are
0: you guys doing, so you guys are doing, you guys are doing physical and, and, um, and digital for all that stuff, right? Sam. Yeah,
3: which in the past we were only uh, vinyl
0: right. for a while. Right. We wouldn't
3: do much digital or CDs until, you know, Elmatic was like the exception. Yeah. And then, uh, so now we're really, you know, we want as many people to hear it as they can,
1: right. you know. Did, um, so, did Elmatic being digital open your eyes to, to that aspect of the music?
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, because there was like a vinyl, it still is, there's like a, a vinyl renaissance going on, you know. So more people are buying records than they were in like the 90s. So they
1: you say, you know,
3: like actual vinyl, yeah. you know. So they say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, so we just, you know, we wanted to steer clear of the digital and all that stuff. And like I said, the whole point of that Funk Night stuff was to be rare and hard right. to find collected items, you right. know, to create a buzz. and So. The L Mag thing was definitely—I mean, the, the popularity of the album helps, but you know, having CDs and digital and vinyl—and we're like, okay, we need to go this route because yeah. there's a lot more money to be made.
0: Well, I—I I, I tell you what, we need next, Sam. I don't know what you have to do to get this done, but I need a Bobo Breaks part two or three or whatever. Whatever <laughs> you're around, man. Wow, yo, man, that right there, uh, folks are sleeping on Bobo Breaks what a great yeah that's another rare one that's another rare one is it okay that's one of the cra- that's that's yeah. one of the crazy 45s right yeah i i, I don't I don't have that I, I i admit that i have that digitally but
1: here's the thing john <laughs> Doe will buy that shit if if, yeah, if, if I, he if can I, get if access can to it, it yeah he'll buy it for sure you guys gonna yeah, do another, no,
0: no, another one another one of those so go ahead sorry. i'm sorry go ahead
3: I said the only place you can get it digitally is on our Bandcamp page. Right. You can download some of the get yeah. some of the, those breaks there. Yeah. But you know that was just a tool. You know that we wanted to make it as a tool for everyone else to use it, sample it, take yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Well, we we need a volume two, man. Y'all need, uh, we, yeah. We, we we need that. Oh, yeah. those
1: breaks are so nasty. And John, Doe buy buy volume two of that? I I would buy the beer that y'all put out, <laughs> but I need to taste it first. Is there any chance? Yeah. Yeah. of getting a six-pack or a case sent to <laughs> our way. I mean. It's only in Detroit. They're not even in bottles. be I'm going to be in Michigan a few times. Look for here that in the shit, man. Yeah,
0: look for wait, that. Wait, Sam, seriously, <laughs> where, where where can you get it? Can you only get it at the brewery? Like, can you get a growler, or can you only get it by the pint, yep. or what's the deal?
3: Yeah, that's it. You can just get it at that
0: brewery. Okay. Damn. I got to make a pit stop in yeah. Detroit on the way yeah, back. Yeah, right. From, uh, I got to. <laughs> My, my i have it's I, a good
1: beer too it's a week oh, it? oh i love okay. it i love a week that's dope
0: we had some uh we had some friends uh <laughs> nappy roots actually that released a beer in conjunction with a new record that their new record that came out about a month or two ago
1: monday night brewing yeah
0: monday night brewing i don't know if you've ever, if you've ever heard of it sam but um you know uh, again you know we're talking about being skeptical with elmatic i'm always skeptical when you know uh, you know, somebody's coming out with the beer and beer. Yeah, yeah. like oh, I was like, I want this to, I want this to be good so badly. You know, I hope this is really good <laughs> because I don't want to lie to him that I like it. And right. I don't, I, and this this beer that they made called Front Porch was dope. So that's good. Um, were were you guys pretty hands in, hands on on that, or how did that ha- how did that work out?
3: Not really. Uh, the guy that brews the beer and the guy that owns the bar, he is actually there's a musician that sold, you know, some of his compositions to Motown and he used his money to open his bar, hmm. you know. Wow. So he's he supports he supports like the local music scene. He does the good things. He, uh, there's music there most nights of the week. Um so he's a really nice guy and uh so I think he he's really uh, good at interpreting, you know, what needs to happen with it. So this is our second one. We did the one with him a couple years ago and it went really well. Oh, you did. I and mean, everyone okay. was remembered. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. yeah that's so, last, right. you know, we we played a show and go out in the parking lot and there's people throwing up. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They're throwing up my beer. Yeah. 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 You you're see that right it. there?
0: Yeah, you're wasting it. Yeah, exactly. You see that right there on the ground? That's my beer mixed <laughs> yep. with uh, yeah, and exactly. Hennessy
1: and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <it>. whatever
0: else. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, shit. That's dope. Yep. Well, Sam, thank you, man, for hanging with us. This has been a real treat.
1: Right, this is a good one, real good one.
0: Um, can you let everyone know where they can go to buy some music, where they can go to support you, find out about all the shows that are coming up, um, and we'll just leave the folks with that?
3: Yeah, if you want to buy um, any of the new music on Session Sounds Records, you can go to Fat Beats, um, go to Fat Beats' webpage, and it should and you should be able to find most of the stuff in stores. Surprisingly, you can get it on Amazon, you can get it at Target, which is pretty crazy. Uh, oh. But uh, if you want to direct, buy directly from us, you can check out the Will Sessions Bandcamp page uh, while supplies last. But your best bet is definitely going to fatbeats.org. And um, when it comes to shows, everything is, you know, our social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, you know, the, the the same old spots.
0: All right, cool. There it is. And then uh, let's see here. The, the Amf- Fiddler 45 is out now, right? Isn't that correct?
3: Yep. Yeah, we released deluxe came out, and we had a forty five with amp, and we had a forty five with Elzy.
0: Right. Yeah, you had a forty five with Elzai. That's right. That was that's the that was the first forty five, right? Or, uh, the first one was amp. The second one was LZ. second one is the Elzy joint. Okay, gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Cool. And, and and more to come on that front. More records, more releases. We're gonna see a lot of output from yeah. you guys this year, next year. I hope.
1: And Sam, how about the, the yeah, sure. tour dates and the show dates and the festival dates?
3: Yeah, we're playing uh, here in Detroit, July 7th at the Marble Bar, which is uh, downtown Detroit. And we're going to play with DJ Dez and DJ Frank Raines, who's the, the funk night man. And that should be a good one here in Detroit. And uh, if you're in New York, you can check us out at uh, La Personne Rouge, or Rouge. that's uh, on July 19th. And then the 21st and the 22nd of July will be in London at the hook and sling festival.
0: Dope. Dope. All, All right. right. Well, Sam, thank you, man. It's been a real pleasure. We yeah. Thank you guys. You, appreciate it. It's good talk. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 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 Y'all, y'all be safe on that road. And, uh, For you sure. Know. On that uh, on that ship overseas uh, yeah. with Karis uh, 1. The
1: Queen Mary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're
0: leaving tomorrow. We'll be there next month. Right, exactly. exactly right <laughs> Hell yeah. Word. All right. Thank you, Sam. All right, you guys. Have a good one. All right, man. Be, be good. good. All right. All right, Mr. Meeks. There we go. Boy, that was a good one, wasn't it? Real good, man. Woo. Enjoyed that. All right. Learned a lot. Southern Vanguard Radio. Mm-hmm. DJ John Doe. Cappuccino.
1: Twice a week, Meeks. Twice a week, do. Do. Dear. Dear. Twice a week, do. <laughs> I dear. like that. Fancy. Twice a week. Dear,
0: That's some French <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs>
0: twice a week, Meeks. Twice a week, do. <laughs> uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud, MixCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Yeah. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend.
1: No doubt. Southern Vanguard Radio, we out. We out. To our peace.